0: Eric Roberts is a fucking man. He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began. We should give him every medal, every trophy and award. He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard. Eric Roberts the fucking man. Eric Roberts the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.
1: We have the need, the need for speed. It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Redux, the world's most beloved Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is my wingman, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Yo, Doug. I am good. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, I mean, you had to think about it for a moment, but I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Liam, there's so much going on in the Eric Roberts verse. Uh, That's one of the things I think I mentioned in our most recent episode as well, that because now that we don't have to do this show, and I use that word very specifically have to do it every uh, two weeks, which is how the schedule was before we moved on to Eric Roberts as the Fucking Man Redux, it means that whenever we come back to the show, there's just so much, there's so much to talk about, Liam. It's very, very exciting. I got upset, actually, because I was looking at trailers...
2: Uh, to put on a pre-show for an upcoming online screening event we're doing Mm -hmm. and I was watching a trailer and I swear to God that whoever was doing this voice in the trailer sounded exactly like Eric Roberts and I thought (laughs) oh no is this another movie I have to watch with Eric Roberts because the trailer looked terrible like it did not look like something I wanted to watch and then uh, it was not Eric Roberts so I was
1: do you want to shout it out what was the trailer that you were watching oh it's a
2: Corey Corey Yoon movie and I don't Mm -hmm. remember what it's uh, what is it called oh Oh,
1: let's think about it for a while. while sorry, everyone... sorry, Doug. I'm gonna have to say no,
2: I don't remember. It's a it's a movie where he directs uh six blonde models to pretend to be ninjas and it has a lot of CGI explosions.
1: Well, if anyone listening uh that sounds familiar to you, why don't you send it to Liam at Liam Rules on Twitter? Um but uh but but until then, Liam, we'll just have to imagine what that looks like. Liam how are the family uh, uh, responding to the fact that things are now opening up in the world? There's a lot more opportunities. It's sunshine. It's almost summer. I mean, it is summer. It's actually in the midst of summer as we're recording this. How, how is everyone responding to that?
2: It's still, I mean, the the numbers aren't that great that I'm trying Our to Our guest do. today
1: is a writer and co-host of the Carnage Report podcast on the Cinepunks Network. It's Nick Spachek. How are you doing today, Nick?
0: I am doing pretty all right.
1: Nick, did yeah, I get your name right there?
0: I will I will take it that is the original pronunciation
1: oh, is that how your friends would say it I want to, I want us to be friends so I wanted to make sure that I'm getting it correct
0: I believe when they came across in Ellis Island they changed it to SPASIC. but basic um, uh, is the uh, original pronunciation and uh, I had a Slovenian folklore professor who 100% would pronounce it that way No matter how many times I corrected him So, Well
1: I want you to correct me and I want it to stick I believe I was only saying spot check Because I believe that's what Liam told me I, Liam I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here But I believe that's what you told me
2: uh, it, I thought that's how I pronounced Your name Nick until you pronounced it differently On your own podcast And now I've been pronouncing it the way that you do Mother And I have fucker. no idea what the what the correct uh, way is I've, I've been confused for a while <laughs>
1: No, but really, it's SPACIC, right? I'm going to say Spasic. I'm going to say three yes. times, Spasic, just to make sure that I'm not going to fuck it up in the future, Nick. Nick, welcome to Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the podcast all about the uh, life and work of actor Eric Roberts.
0: Uh, it, it is good to be back.
1: Yeah, you've returning a returning guest. Did I fuck up your name last time? Uh, it's
0: entirely possible.
1: Okay, well, let's try to forget this whole name business and move on to more important things, the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Now, I believe last time we talked about the things that you most enjoy about Eric Roberts as an actor, but I want you to tell me a little bit about this podcast of yours, The Carnage Report.
0: Yes, it's a new show. Like, I mean, I did a podcast that is on semi-permanent hiatus called From an Inspired by that is, mm-hmm. uh, was devoted to soundtracks and people who make them. Uh, And a couple months ago, um, my friend Julie Holland was talking about how she missed there being a podcast that covered new horror as opposed to uh, older things. And uh, somebody said, well, you should make one yourself. And then she replied that she would need somebody with technical expertise. And I was like, how about this guy? And it... (laughs) went from being like just a random thing to we were recording, I think, within like a week and a half.
1: (laughs) Wow. It came together very quickly.
0: It did. And uh, we our sixth episode just went up yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Uh, we talk uh, horror news uh, about, you know, new trailers that are out, new movies that are hitting theaters, new things, new things hitting streaming, um, all of that stuff. Um, We have a thing because Julie and I have known each other for like 20 years, but like we're like good we good acquaintances as opposed to like like friends friends right. so uh every episode has a getting to know you question um mm. where we we talk about you know uh, whatever the topic of the week is and uh, this week is uh it i'm trying to remember what it was uh it, <laughs> we, we talk about um like urban legends from our hometowns oh uh, about like uh, formative horror experiences and um, spooky songs and things of that nature.
1: Well, I don't want you to give anything away. I want people to listen to the Carnage Report, but just tell us what is one of the urban legends from your hometown?
0: Um, the, it's technically not from my hometown hometown, um, but it is from uh, Fort Leavenworth. And I talk about uh, the ghost of a woman who roams the uh, cemetery uh, at Fort Leavenworth. Well, that's um, a good place for it. Goes to Rome, yeah, evidently uh, most haunted military base in the country. Or oh, Supposedly.
1: We're number one, Liam O'Donnell. You're from where? What's uh, the what? Uh, uh, what's your hometown called, Liam? Philadelphia. Philadelphia, uh, Liam. You're from Philadelphia. Uh, I'm guessing that there's probably a lot of urban legends around the Philly area as well. Can you tell us some of them? Hum. Hmm. Oh boy! All right. <laughs> I'll be—I'll be, I'll be honest. I
2: don't. The—the the only one I can think of is to me not really an urban legend, but it immediately Please. popped in my head, which is that the reason the Phillies were so bad for so long was because in downtown Philly they finally built buildings higher than City Hall. So it was the—it was like the law in Philadelphia that no buildings could be higher than William Penn on the top of city hall. And then uh, they broke that rule and let them start building skyscrapers in Philadelphia and bada bing, bada boom. The Phillies had a horrible, horrible, horrible sort of string of, of years. And then uh, literally the year that the Phillies won the world series, Mm -hmm. uh, someone videotaped themselves at the beginning of the season, buying a miniature of, of bill penn william penn founder of pennsylvania and gluing him to the top of the tallest building in philadelphia and that year the phillies won and everyone is convinced that's why they won and i'm like what the fuck (laughs)
1: liam i thought you were going to bring up there's a really terrifying uh, uh urban legend about Philadelphia that I've heard about. What's that? It's it's a really spooky thing about this Philly fanatic that wanders <laughs> the street. <laughs> uh
2: I believe I believe as far as I know, Gritty ate the Philly Fanatic and now mm-hmm. we're protected by his powers. Yeah, his well. anti fascist powers
1: uh, I'm from Newfoundland, as listeners of the show already know, and uh, that's an island. And there's probably all sorts of spookiness that I- are involved with uh, with living on an island and all the remoteness and whatnot. But I, I guess I uh, there isn't anything very specific. Probably a lot of ghost ships and things like that. Are you afraid of ghost ships, Liam?
2: No, I was going to say the other urban thing I thought of. I was about to tell you guys about. I realized it's not an urban legend; it's real, which is Heinick. Hyde- mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the I, I know a bunch of stories about Hydnick, but that's you gotta, not. You
1: gotta elaborate. I don't know what the fuck that is.
2: Oh, uh, that was a, uh, there was a serial killer in Philadelphia that lived uh, above a coffee shop where a bunch of punk shows happened and everybody knew Ooh. him and they thought he was really cool, only he was murdering women and keeping them in another building he owned. And it, he's one of the worst serial hey, killers Liam, in Philadelphia. Hey, Liam, I'm just gonna say it.
1: I don't think that's very cool at all.
2: No, it sucks. But like, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, there's stories about him. And then I was like, oh wait, no, none of those are legends. Or at least none of the ones I know are legends.
1: They're all actually what happened. So never mind. No, I don't know any cool <laughs> legends. I'm gonna call that guy the punk rock killer. What do you think about that? I don't think he actually liked punk rock. He just happened to live in the building where the shows were. The punk rock killer, Nick. I'm gonna turn over to you for a second. Uh, maybe actually for more than a second. I want to talk about the movie Top. Now, as of the time that we're recording this, I believe it's still the number one movie in the country, and I say I'm talking about the United States as a country. Is Top Gun Maverick, which is a long-awaited follow-up to the original Top Gun from the mid 1980s, are you a fan of this Top Gun franchise, Nick?
0: I certainly enjoyed the Top Gun movie when it came out. I mean, that was like when I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember. Possibly Top Gun being one of the first games I ever played on the original NES.
1: Were you ever uh, able to land the plane in that Top Gun NES game? Nope. No.
0: Okay. No one got it. I possible. Anybody- it's impossible. I, I, I'm fairly certain it is. It's that just like blowing up jet fighters while trying to land them on uh, an aircraft carrier i just like uh, just like
1: i went and had a successful mission where i killed a bunch of russians or whatever and you know it, all success now all i gotta do is just land this plane and just fucking crash and burn every single time every time every time so please yeah so you had experience with the nes game you were a little young for the movie but then since then as you've aged into the person that you are now has it continued to be a part of your life
0: it has, I remember very specifically, um, sometime in high school, specifically renting the independent movie Sleep With Me, um, Yes, specifically to see the Tarantino uh, rant about the homoerotic subtext of Top Gun, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, honestly, having seen that movie, uh, really the only entertaining part in it. <laughs> Hot take we- on it. A- That's almost uh, 30 years old
1: For people who weren't alive in the mid-90s Quentin Tarantino had such a uh, uh, Presence at that moment That people would watch a movie Just to see him in it To the point where they actually released a movie In theaters called Destiny Turns on the Radio Where he starred in it Quentin Tarantino, (laughs) the director Starring in a movie It was a weird time, wasn't it, Nick?
0: It was a very strange time That was uh, like him I think one of the best things he ever did was stop putting himself in his own movies.
1: (laughs) You're telling me you didn't care for his accent in Django Unchained? That's a rhetorical (laughs) question. You don't need to answer that. Liam, have you been watching Top Gun regularly for the past 30 years?
2: No, no. I've seen it all the way
1: through one time, and that was sufficient. Okay, so you're not a fan. You're You're not a Top Gun head. No, definitely not. Why is that? What what does the just hold the the subject matter holds no appeal to you?
2: Yeah, I don't really I mean, I think if I think Top Gun is great if you're just stoked on planes. I know a lot of people sure. who are stoked on planes who love that movie. Uh or if you really like um like volleyball, sand volleyball, that seems like a good a good time for you. But otherwise jingoism, I don't Jingoism
0: do you like jingoism? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, jingoism, that's another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh yeah, I don't know. It's it just doesn't appeal
1: to me. So you're saying that you've lost your loving feeling when it comes to the top gun franchise uh-huh <laughs> it's a reference to the movie which no, i watched I'm for aware. the first I'm time aware. first time yesterday liam i watched top gun and when i say i watched it i mean i watched the first half i ran out of time because i had to watch top gunner the Mockbuster version of i guess of top gun uh that we'll talk about in just a little bit because it features the actor eric roberts any other thoughts on the top gun franchise nick before we get started Uh, Proper talking about the man himself, Eric Roberts.
0: I find it uh, absolutely amazing that people are super stoked on one sequel to a movie that's over 30 years old in theaters right now and very down on another sequel. What (laughs) sequel is that? Uh, That would be Jurassic World Dominion uh, that Mm. seems to be getting shat upon uh, by nearly everyone who's seen it. Well, I guess you know
1: what they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And speaking of absence, let's talk about all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux. We continue with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter, at Eric Roberts, all one word. And I think you should, because I'll tell you what, Liam, Eric Roberts has gotten political on his Twitter feed lately. Very interesting to see. But I want to start with a tweet from June 15th. I really want to get your thoughts on this one. Eric Roberts tweeted, Sometimes life is like a hot stove and a box of chocolates which just melt on the damn thing. Eric Roberts, uh, making a sly reference there to the Forrest Gump quote about life being like a box of chocolates, he says that life is sometimes like a hot stove. Uh, Nick, agree or disagree? Agree. Yeah, life is sometimes like a hot stove. Is your life like a hot stove right now, Nick?
0: Yes, it's uh, hot as balls. Um, It is uh, humid and absolutely horrible outside. Okay. I mean,
1: I don't know if he was meaning literally in terms of the temperature (laughs) outside, in regards to what he means but i mean i i with you 100 percent. i mean we're in the midst of the what they call them the dog days of summer just to, to a certain extent listen um, i believe
0: it, that all art is uh open to interpretation and that is my personal journey in terms of what that tweet means you know what i
1: i can't i can't argue that but i will argue with liam o'donnell liam life like a hot stove thoughts on that
2: um, hmm. you know what? I'm going to disagree with her. Okay. All right. Because the, you know, the 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 box of chocolates metaphor is about uh, you know, not knowing what you're going to get, right? Like yeah, being of surprised yeah, yeah. by life. And while life can get hectic. I think there's always surprises. Even even when life is burning you up, you're going to be surprised by some some shit, you know. Good and bad surprises, right, Liam? Oh, 100%. I don't think the chocolate metaphor well, I guess there are people who feel this way. I've never had a assorted box of chocolates and thought, all of these are good options, and I'm pleased with all of them. No, no, no,
1: no, no. Do you ever get the impression, this is, this is a little off topic, Like that if you are a famous and rich person, and I've never been either of those two things, but that if you are, that everything that they have is just a slightly better version of what we have? So they would have an assorted box of chocolates where they all are good, right? Like that you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. You know, the thing that's just slightly disappointing in our own lives, they have a better version of it. Do you think Eric Roberts has really good fancy boxes of chocolates?
2: I mean, we've seen, thanks to that cat show, we've seen where Eric Roberts lives. And he's not he's not Elon Musk out here with like a you know, a, a zoo or some shit. My man lives in a normal house. I bet I bet you half his neighbors don't know
1: that they live near Eric
2: Roberts in the sense that we would think of it, you know?
1: I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, maybe you're right.
2: (laughs) Straight, straight up, Doug. I am a normal person who can barely afford to pay his student loans. And there are houses on my street bigger than Eric Roberts house, period. Mm. Like, that's just the reality. Like he lives in a normal person house. Now, a normal upper middle class person but like a lot of people with his sort of name recognition even if they haven't worked in a long time still hold on to these like Golgotha houses like these giant fucking gargantuan mini mansions and that's just not how Eric Roberts kicks it so I bet he's eating normal chocolates like the rest of us
1: you think oh maybe we eat chocolates you know what I mean
2: Oh well that's true. That's true. He probably is getting high. Well I am not getting
0: high. Man. Oh no, my, my my theory is that he's probably getting Russell Stovers instead of the Whitman sampler. So like just oh. like a little bit nicer.
2: Well, and also if you've ever worked in the service industry that cater to rich people, about half the rich people are actually getting shittier things. It should cost oh, yeah. more money. So they think they're getting a better thing, but it's not better at
1: all.
0: The number Take of that, rich people. <laughs> the number of rich people who come into the liquor store where I work and get, like, Crown Royal thinking it is top-notch, blows my mind.
1: Well, it's got Crown and Royal in the name. I mean, it's got to be the best of the best. <laughs> Liam, you are a fan of music. Sure, yeah. It wasn't a question. It was a statement directed at you. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Well, I was wondering if uh, within that that uh, uh, the whole music genre, like just music in general, if you are a fan of Mr. Billy Joel...
2: No, don't like him. Why is that? Just never really worked for me. I don't get I don't. But isn't he I don't from around
1: your area? Isn't he kind of like one of those guys? I don't think so. I have
2: no idea where he's from. I, I literally know nothing about Billy Joel other than uh, I find some of his music annoying and I find some of it just sort of like plain.
1: Now, there is a tweet from June 11th that Eric Roberts made, and it eric i think was knocking against the limits of twitter a little bit here so it's a little hard to read but i'm just going to try to read it like a human being he (laughs) eric roberts writes loved doing our interview with a person uh, f shores on twitter decades ago the book on billy joel is phenomenal the shows like american idol and the voice have prevented way more stars than they've made imagine billy or springsteen trying to come up in a world where the competition shows usurp all the space for the rise. Uh, Eric Roberts uh, knocking both American Idol and The Voice, throwing out a little love for one Mr. Billy Joel. Nick, your thoughts on Billy Joel and competition music shows?
0: I find it very interesting that he is placing Billy Joel on the same level as Bruce Springsteen. It is an uh, interesting thing,
1: but I have to say, I feel like in recent years, th- they've kind of, I don't, I'm not saying personally, I feel like they've even up, but in terms of the general kind of f- mood in the country, a lot of people like those two artists.
0: Very true. Uh, I watched the first episode of American Idol when it launched 20 some years ago and was like, oh, well, that was interesting. I don't need to see any more of that. Sure. Um, I have interviewed several com- people who have competed on The Voice, and mm. they seem to view it as being very positive uh, in terms of like, what it's done for their careers. Um, and they all you know, pretty much write and record their own songs, so I feel that his point might not be entirely accurate. Are, are you like actually making a distinction
1: between American Idol and The Voice in this case, or are you just saying that generally, you know, he might be down on them, but the people involved are actually very talented?
0: Yes, yeah, the <laughs> latter,
1: <laughs> Liam. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday, the regular crowd shuffles in. There's an old man sitting next to me making love to his tonic and gin. Fuck. Any thoughts?
2: Yeah, no, the I, the, 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 the com- it, it, I think you're right, Doug. It is very Thank common. You. <laughs> <laughs> that it is very common nowadays to compare Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen, sure, but that is a very offensive comparison to me, and it bums me
1: out hard. Why? You are you a big Springsteen guy?
2: Love him. He's the boss, and I respect. He's his the boss.
1: Bossitude. You just came up with that name, the boss. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm good at I'm good at nicknames. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of news going on right now, Liam. I don't know if you have heard about this. What? <laughs> No, I don't know anything about. Generally, it. generally, there's a lot of news going on.
2: <laughs>
1: One of the big things that was really being talked about uh, up until recently was this uh, trial, uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Now we're not going to get in the weeds on this. We know how you can get into trouble uh, voicing your opinion these days because of cancel culture and whatnot, right, Liam? Is that something? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. So I'm just gonna read a couple of tweets from Eric Roberts from June 2nd a little serious stuff here so I don't want to uh, be uh, uh, I don't want to belabor the point um, He says who cares about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? What meaningless crap distracted people from Hitler's atrocities in the 1940s? was it Frank and Ava? there are real injuries occurring. Putin needs to be on trial. The monsters who aided and abetted the murder in Texas need to see jail from the inside. Uh, strong words from Eric Roberts. In fact, there's a series of tweets here, mostly in response to uh, some of the mass shootings that have occurred in the United States. Uh, Eric, it's always interested me and us, Liam, and we've talked about it at length on this podcast, about how uh, Eric is very vocal, and maybe, you know, we're going with the idea that he's writing these tweets himself, but at the very least, the Roberts household is very vocal about their politics in regards to this, but then still makes films that with a lot of right-wing figures, including that one where they were giving an AR-15 away uh, as a way of promoting the film. What do you think about what he has to say here? Are we being distracted um, from very important issues, just starting with you, Liam, by uh, by these like uh, celebrity trials and all of this glitz and glamour?
2: I mean, I don't think it's intentional directly, like, let's talk more about Johnny Depp so we talk less about uh, Uvalde or Buffalo. But sure. do I think it functions that way? Of course it does, you know? Um Uh, But I don't, you know, I I think it's very easy to assume like, well, we're doing this for that. It's it's a little more
1: organic and a little less um, planned than all that. During Donald Trump's presidency, one of the things we used to hear all the time is that he would do something to to distract people from another thing that was happening. Like it was this very Machiavellian idea that it's just like, you're not noticing this because he's doing that. And I'm sure in some cases it was absolutely the case, Uh, but it just... I I worry a little bit about the idea that someone who is interested in one thing, it doesn't mean that they're not necessarily also invested and interested in another. Though, I mean, again, it did seem like there was a lot of national attention put towards that fucking trial for a while. Nick, are you often distracted from the serious issues of the day by these uh, celebrity trials?
0: No, I think it's Mm. entirely possible for people to hold, like, multiple interests and enjoy two things or multiple things or pay attention to multiple things at the same time where it's like not that i had really any interest in the johnny depp amber heard trial uh aside from the fact that it seemed that a lot of uh misogynist people decided to come out of the woodwork and sure did mock someone's uh like behavior during that trial which was kind of messed up but uh no it's the fact that like you can follow a celebrity trial you can be a fan of the kardashians or something like that while also possibly you know reading politics and being able to speak knowledgeably on you know the situation in the ukraine it's one does not obliviate the other
1: you know One thing I thought was interesting about this tweet, and I don't know if either of you would have picked up on this, it's only because uh, I'm one of the hosts of an Eric Roberts podcast, though, of course, Liam, you are too, so maybe you should have picked up on it, is that he mentions the possibility that people might have been distracted from Hitler's atrocities by Frank and Ava. Well, Frank and Ava, they made a movie about Frank and Ava a couple years ago. So featuring Eric Roberts, <laughs> so <laughs> feels like uh, uh, some hypocrisy in the uh, complaints there from one Eric Roberts. I'm having a little fun, of course. Speaking of Eric Roberts, back on May 17th, he tweeted, "We've been in a pandemic for ages. The psychological deformity that leads to mass murder is positively epidemic." Seems to be making some sort of connection between being in the pandemic and the psychological effects of it, creating mass murderers uh, nick sticking with you any any thoughts on that do you agree or disagree with one mr eric roberts uh
0: i think possibly he's talking about the idea that the pandemic is the psychological deformity uh that leads to mass murder possibly discussing uh gun nut culture
1: i think you might be right
0: but uh you know like either is accurate i mean there there have been uh, several people who keep saying it's like, well, what about the mental health of being locked in and uh, which doesn't seem to be in line with his politics? But sure. um, I think as as was yeah. recently mentioned, his politics seem to be uh, malleable. M-
1: malleable. That's a great word to use in regards to the Eric Roberts politics. Liam, you have a gun.
2: <laughs> no i do not but uh no? keep going
1: okay well what is your address <laughs> <laughs> liam do you think uh do, do you think that a lot of the violence that we've been hearing about in the news and that has been uh, occurring uh, around the world that there might be a direct thorough line between that and the pandemic
2: i mean that's interesting doug i personally don't think so I, because we've had so many mass shootings over sure. the past whatever but do i think that maybe because i, I think it is true Though we're not hearing about it maybe as much as we should, that while not all of them have been successful, if you think of successful as deadly, sure. uh, there have actually been a lot more attempts lately. Uh, they've just been stopped before they would reach the sort of levels that they would make as much news as you would think. But Stopped actual- by our boys in blue? Oh, almost <laughs> never, Doug. Almost <laughs> never. Um, no, but 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 you know, like for example, the, the shooting at the uh, 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 Chinese American Church in L.A. got very little attention mm-hmm. um, because it, only one person was shot. So, uh, but that was definitely an attempt at more of a mass shooting than it was. And and there's been a number of cases like that. Uh, are those evidence of uh, an increase in mental health issues post pandemic, possibly. I don't know. I I I think the problem is whenever we reach for an easy answer like it's mental health, inevitably we're trying to avoid other questions. You know, right? And 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 I think that goes two ways. I you know, I, unlike what you said, Doug, I do not own a gun. I do not like guns. Mm. I am not necessarily a supporter of gun rights in well, you, general. You don't want
1: to protect your family?
2: Yeah, I really don't want to protect my family. <laughs> okay, uh, but. Uh, But I do think sometimes focusing only on guns in some of these cases is is a real bummer. Like, for example, in Buffalo, uh, that guy – there's other things going on with his white power agenda than just also he got guns. That it doesn't mean guns isn't a problem. We should definitely make it harder for an actual white supremacist looking to enact a race war to get guns. But to say, like, well, the issue is the guns, it's like, well, also (laughs) – how did this guy become like this? Cause this is also a problem. I mean, what if he had made a bomb instead? the, the so I think like the, the part of the problem is whenever we reach for any one answer, we're probably ignoring something else that made this also shitty. Like this this other thing also bad, you know?
1: Liam, should leftists start arming themselves? See, this is the issue, right? Whenever I (laughs)
2: admit that I don't like guns, I have many leftist friends who are like, you're not taking my fucking guns. And I'm like, okay, well then go ahead and start a revolution already. I'm sticking you guys just posting masturbatory pictures with your AKs (laughs) and being like, this is so I can fight the right. But then you don't do anything with your guns. You know, like it's it all feels very performative to me. Now Mm. granted, I will admit though, I am biased because I am a full pacifist. You know, I don't Believe in it, and if 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 there actually was a leftist revolution, I would definitely be putting on a red cross and helping wounded people because I'm I'm not interested in shooting anybody. So Just maybe that's my bias. Like, Liam. <laughs> oh, pretty good actually, and I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I have definitely done a research to see where I can get further medical training in my area. Back when we were worried that 2020 really would result in the in a more effective version of January 6th. Right. I was doing my research to get medical training, Doug. I was definitely like, yo, if shit does pop off, I'ma be out there helping wounded people like day one.
1: Nick, let's get away from these controversial politics. <laughs> on May first. On May 1st, Eric Rivers tweeted, Someone can be thin and beautiful, but not thin, therefore beautiful. Beauty is within not within. thin <laughs> hashtag body positive hashtag all shapes and sizes the positive message being thrown out to the world by one mr eric roberts uh beauty is within not with thin uh thoughts on that nick
0: i'm mm-hmm. i'm absolutely i'm without words like it's <laughs> it, it's one of those tweets that i don't <laughs> Like no matter how many times I read it, I don't think it will ever fully reveal its <laughs> mysteries to me.
1: Now let's make one thing very clear: the sentiment behind this is something I imagine we all agree with. Um, yeah, and 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 we there's certainly nothing wrong with it, but it's just a certain there's a there's just the, the way that it's written is it it just strikes me as somewhat comical. Lima, am, am I being unreasonable in finding this a bit funny?
2: I mean, it would just be mildly. Like, oh, okay. Like kind of almost like cute, you know? But sure. what pushes it into funny is the wordsmithery of within because it's so fucking ridiculous. And you can just imagine the look of like satisfied, like, oh, I'm, I'm a real, I'm a real, uh, I got some real insight here with this fucking wordplay. Uh, without that, it's just like, oh, okay, he's, he's just being nice. He's a little little embarrassing, but not too bad either.
1: Yeah, it's corny. And I mean, honestly, it's still it's kind of a lovable sentiment all the same. But, you know, this ties into one of our other shows, Liam. Uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, (laughs) not often said in the same (laughs) the same moment as Eric Roberts. Uh, He posts like inspirational things on Facebook every day. And I mean, they're 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 translated into English so uh, who knows how much of the sentiment is being lost and some days I'm like you know what that's a pretty insightful thing and other times there's shit like this where it's just like <laughs> beauties within not within and I'm like okay Mr. Jodorowsky <laughs> it
0: definitely it definitely like looks like something that is probably already available as like motivational like yes. painted like wooden letters that you can purchase on Etsy I'm seeing it as a meme with a minion in the background. (laughs) All three three minions of their different sizes.
1: Uh, Let's get into some of the Eric Roberts news. Eric Roberts and George St. Pierre, a Canadian, set to star in the action comedy Heroes and Villains, Eric Roberts of The Dark Knight. Uh, and MMA fighter Georges St-Pierre from the Falcon and Winter Soldier are set to star in a new action comedy titled Heroes and Villains, currently shooting in London. The film's story centers on a character named Michael Hero, a powerful CEO seeing vengeance for the murder of his grandson by offering a $1 million bounty for the assassination of his grandson's killers, which attracts the world's leading assassins to the fierce opportunity. Uh, John Wick, Assassin Flair. This is what the writer of this particular article calls it. Uh, Heroes and Villains. How does that sound, uh, Nick? Uh, d- 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 it's got a concept that has potential.
0: I'm, I'm really hoping that the protagonist... Like, who becomes the assassin most uh, notable is like French and his last name or French Canadian and mm. has like a last name like Villain. Well, I mean, it,
1: oh, Villain, I see because there's <laughs> Hero. Michael Hero is one of the characters. Hey, and it's pretty clever. You know, what? that's a little bit of wordplay, Eric Roberts esque wordplay that you're uh, working into here. Are you a MMA
0: guy? Man? I am not.
1: <laughs> Tell me more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh- i unfortunately like uh i like my my fighting to be actually entertaining which is why i watch professional wrestling um Mm -hmm. given like mma it's a lot of people like holding each other and like punching each other while they're on the ground and it just looks like a slightly less interesting version of like world star videos
1: (laughs) grappling is what they call it i believe
0: (laughs) I want to see people throwing folks off of ladders into a table. Yes.
1: I, you look, I'm right there with you, obviously. Uh, Liam, Georges St-Pierre, uh, one of the greatest mixed martial arts fighters of all time uh, from uh, from Canada, uh, actually sparked a wide interest in this country in mixed martial arts fighting for a while there. Uh, any thoughts on seeing him and Eric Roberts team up? I don't know if they team up. Maybe they fight each other. I mean, they're in this movie, <laughs> Heroes and Villains. Your thoughts on mixed martial arts fighting? I, I mean... Because hey. you're a fan of Capoeira, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: I, I definitely uh, did a semester of Capoeira, if that's what you're talking capoeira, about.
1: Capoeira, that's what I was meant to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah,
2: I think he, the, my problem with, uh, with MMA, right, is that I agree with Nick that it isn't always very interesting. Sometimes I think it is, but most of the time it's not. And also I believe it's slightly fixed, you know? Like like, like I don't actually Revelations. think I don't actually think all the fights are pure fights. Like I really do think there's a little bit of of the work going on, and I'm like, well, if you're gonna work, it, at least make it more interesting than this, like Jesus Christ, like I, I you know, I, there are ex- there are exceptions, but like like a lot of sports, I I feel like I could appreciate MMA with like a highlight reel of the last year, like give me a highlight reel sure. of all the mm-hmm. cool stuff of the last year, and I'll be like, yeah, that was neat. That's how I feel about all sports, like. If you boil basketball <laughs> down to some guy jukes and another guy falls on his ass, that's the greatest sport ever. <laughs> it's the rest of the game that I'm utterly bored. Like I'm just like, yeah, I guess they're doing stuff. But the moment someone does something and another guy looks stupid, I'm in. I think it's fun. Let's do that. That sounds great. Uh MMA, a lot of times it's just two people holding each other until the other guy it hurts too much, you know? That's not that fun for me. It just seems kind of mean,
1: you know? Well, it's the intricacies of it, I suppose, that you need to be able to appreciate. I used to watch a lot of mixed martial arts in the early 2000s. There was a promotion in Japan called Pride. Sure, I remember. Yeah. massive uh uh massive stadiums. And, I mean, it was incredibly popular. And then they found out that the Yakuza was running it all, and they had to shut it all down. <laughs> I think during
2: that time, there were those, those Russian brothers. I think they were Russian. Mm-hmm. Sure. Some Eastern European. And well, they both looked out of shape but they were like almost undefeated mm. I liked those just because every fighter went in so cocky like I'm gonna get you and they're flexing and then the other guy looked like he was still hungover over from the night before <laughs> and he would do like no flexing <laughs> at all and then they'd start fighting and inevitably the the Russian guy would embarrass the guy who was in shape that was fun for me because every time I'd be like oh this is gonna be the time he doesn't win oh you won again alright like that's I mean, that's funny but when it's really like Okay, these two guys are just holding each other until one of them bends the other the wrong way. It's It's a game of human chess, Liam.
1: And (laughs) also, I I would I would ask you not to show so much love for Mother Russia here. On (laughs) no, that's fair.
2: Well, again, to be fair,
1: I'm not I'm not trying to.
2: I don't know that they're Russian. They could have been any that whole area of weird. Yeah, you defaulted to them being
1: Russian. Unstoppable Russian brothers.
2: (laughs) They could be Russian. They could have. I don't know what the fuck. They had weird last names, Doug. That's all I know.
0: A lot more consonants and vowels. That's
2: yeah, exactly. Cool. Lots of that shit. I don't fucking know. Straight up. I'll say it right on here. Eastern Europeans, y'all look the same. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just thinking about whether I'm going to cut that out or not. Trailer trailer revealed for a werewolf flick, The Beast Comes at Midnight, starring Eric Roberts. Showtown American Pictures and Cinema View Studios have released the theatrical trailer for the upcoming werewolf movie, The Beast Comes at Midnight. An outcast teenage live streamer must enlist the help of four popular kids after he discovers that a werewolf is tracking one of them in their small rural town, starring uh, Michael Paré. Is that how you pronounce his name, Michael Paré? I mean, it's got a, I think I'm going to go with it. A lot of children that you don't know the name of, as well as Eric Roberts. I did make the both of you watch the trailer for The Beast Comes at
0: Midnight. Nick, what did you think of this trailer? With that title, I was really hoping it was like a Jess Franco movie. But <laughs> no. Um, uh, it, it starts off promisingly. Yes. Like with uh, Eric Roberts uh, chewing the scenery and then sort of devolves into, uh, what looks like, um, Disney, uh, like late nineties, early two thousands, uh, thing, uh, which was similar to one of the movies we recently covered on the carnage report that we quite enjoyed actually called crabs. Uh, but, uh, the, I I enjoy the fact that there are practical effects, and the uh werewolf looks absolutely ridiculous, and will definitely watch any movie that instead of going for cheap shitty CGI goes for uh slightly less cheap but equally terrible uh practical guy (laughs) in a suit effects.
1: I think that the werewolf, when it does like the full view of it in this trailer, when they show it, I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, but when it when we see before we see the werewolf where it's just some guy covered in fur that's not so cool uh this movie seems to be kind of in the style of like a mid-80s monster squad goonies ish thing you know the the unpopular kids getting together with the popular kids to fight a werewolf i mean it certainly seems to be um i was gonna say of the moment of the moment of five years ago or so (laughs) that sort of thing um I do. I, I'm trying not to be too negative. Not not my style. I do have to say the children, children. I shouldn't even say children. The kids who are the stars of this, they're terrible in this trailer. Their acting is very, very bad, and and that is something that I find very distracting. Um. And but what are you gonna do? It's probably hard to find affordable, <laughs> quality young people performers. Liam, what did you think of the trailer of The Beast Comes at Midnight? Also, now that I think about it, that that name is. Uh-huh, it's sort of uh uh-huh. <laughs> well, anyway, please continue.
2: I mean, unlike you, Doug, I don't hate children, so that part didn't really bum me out., uh, I, I am what i am <laughs> <laughs> i I will say that um. You know, the the general rule for something like this, I think, is don't show the monster because, like, the less that you show it, the more that it could actually be scary. So I guess if you're going to break that rule, you could go for the other option, which is show it as much as humanly possible, uh, which is what this trailer goes for. (laughs) Like, if this... If it turns out these aren't all the shots of the monster in the movie are in the trailer, then they definitely are showing way too much of this particular (laughs) werewolf. Uh, But that being said, like owning it, like, look, this is what it is. It's a guy in a weird outfit. Just deal with it. Part of me is kind (laughs) of like, I kind of like that. I kind of like the balls of it, you know? Uh, But I do agree with you. Even though I don't hate children, I don't think any of these children impressed me with their performances in this trailer, especially like. I would prefer them be doing the thing where kids overact where they're like, oh my gosh, we gotta do the blah blah, blah. Yeah, I yeah. I prefer that to am I oh my god, am I on camera? I'm on camera? Oh my god. Uh, I guess what is what are you what are you doing right now? Like they're all sort of like understanding it. It's almost like these kids think they're in like a like a Joe Swanberg movie. Like it's it's like they're like they're like mumble coring it. And I'm like, someone on set should have been like, louder, be louder. Talk louder like they just they seem embarrassed to be there and I that's my worry for this movie is that if they were if they were being utterly ridiculous like like you know like one of these spy kids movies or some shit then like I might be a little excited to see it because it would be fun and funny but with the kids acting like they're kind of afraid to be on set I'm worried that the whole thing would be really tiresome.
0: I feel like it's probably just a lot of night shots and like yeah. they were getting enough caffeine. Like they all just seem kind of tired.
1: They do seem tired. That's actually, you know, in fact, I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer here so you can hear a little bit of that performance. Will you just tell me that was your stomach, mutt? Ma- Not even on my best day.
0: <laughs> I know you guys think I'm strange, and maybe I am, but maybe. It takes someone strange to fight something strange. I'm with you. Liam
1: O'Donnell, everyone loves a redemption story. (laughs) Everyone loves a redemption story, Liam. Uh, And that plays into my next article here. Kevin Spacey returns (laughs) to Hollywood in historical drama Uh... 1242, Gateway to the West. People may remember that Kevin Spacey uh, has not been in movies, uh, mostly because he's been recording videos of himself in his own house, uh, weirdly in the character that he used to play on a television show from several years ago, uh, trying to defend himself from a number of accusations of sexual uh, impropriety, some with people who have been underage, uh, over the last few years. Well, he's making his return to films. Uh, we all we talked about in one of our other podcasts Liam that uh Franco Nero, the great Franco Nero, he was directing a film and really wanted Kevin Spacey to be in it. Well this film 1242 to Gateway to the West features Christopher Lambert, Terrence Stamp and Eric Roberts amongst its cast. It's a UK Hungarian Mongolian co-production. 1242 tells the story of Genghis Khan's military commander grandson Batu Khan who was elected commander-in-chief of the western part of the Mongol Empire. Per an official synopsis, in 1242, Khan is confronted by a deeply spiritual man named Cesarini, played by Spacey, and a castle in Hungary that halts his invasion of Europe and ultimately causes his downfall. Photography meant to start in October 2022 in Hungary and Mongolia. Now, this article was from May 11th. On May 26th, Kevin Spacey was charged in the UK on four counts of sexual assault. I wonder if that's going to uh, change whether Kevin Spacey is going to appear in this. Liam, are you looking forward to checking out this redemption story, 1242, Gateway to the West?
2: No, Doug. No, I am not.
1: Why is that, Liam?
2: Because I do not support the redemption of Kevin Spacey at this point. I think uh, I think um, this feels a little soon for us to go,
1: oh, that guy? Nah, he's fine. Hasn't he suffered enough? No, not nearly Hasn- enough. <laughs> Not not at all, really, when you think about it. Yeah, not he gets little to little not bit. make movies, not make what uh, self-indulgent Bobby Darren <laughs> fucking biopics anymore. But uh, they, they want to, they, people want Kevin Spacey back in the movies. Nick, do you want to see Kevin Spacey on the big screen once again?
0: No, and I'm pretty sure this would not end up playing on the big screen anyway. Oh, boy.
2: Oh, 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 oh. no, that is true. <laughs> That's a good point.
0: <laughs> this is
1: 100% going straight to Tubi. <laughs> no, that actually piques my interest a little bit. No, uh, <laughs> d- d- I mean, we don't know if this is ever even going to happen. Uh, it seems like one of those announcements where it's just like, oh yes, the another Kevin Spacey project and then you just never ever hear about it again. One of the big uh, uh, sources of conversation on the Eric Roberts social media recently has been Pandemic Pillow Talk, a web series following a single marketing worker bee Mackenzie as she searches for a potential husband after breaking up with her cheating boyfriend. This is a, a series that uh, involves both uh, Eric and Eliza Roberts. Uh, I think it was mostly filmed on webcams. It's something they've been talking about a lot. I suppose it's something that I should have watched already, Liam. But I, It, it does not, both in conceptually and visually, it does not hold a lot of interest to me. But I will put a link in our show notes if you want to check out Pandemic Pillow Talk. Of course, Liam and I will be checking it out. Why is that, Liam? Uh, blood Oath. We made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2022's From Dusk Till Bong. Described as this, it follows Tony and Spat. They have to smoke lots of weed before a vampire pizza party goes all wrong. Screaming Jay Pigeons has to rip out vampire eyes to travel to another dimension to save his love and fight... The Lizard People, uh, a description obviously <laughs> written by a high person, which is appropriate for a movie called From Dusk Tell Bong, directed and written by prolific, low-budget director, writer, actor James Balsamo, who in 2022 alone has released or is releasing to Me the Hungry Tumor, Sexy Time 2, You're Melting, I Got a Bullet With Your Name On It, and Slice 2, Children of the Course, despite the fact that the first slice has not yet been released uh this feature will also uh have charles the godfather right the professional wrestler and hacksaw jim duggan in its cast in fact this is a movie that you can rent right now on vimeo for a mere six dollars and 19 cents canadian which is even less u.s once again i had both of you watch the trailer for from dusk till bong i'm gonna start with you nick uh you're gonna run out and rent this right after we finish recording
0: i am frankly fascinated uh I do love the fact that the entire musical bed for this trailer is uh, <laughs> evidently a pop punk song that relates the entire plot of the film <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs>
1: I, I didn't and, realize until reading the plot there that the vampire pizza party that they mentioned in the song is obviously a big plot point of the movie
0: <laughs> I know I was just like are they talking about another movie is this did they just like try to get like okay we've got three movies we need to use this song in um, can you fit them all into one two and a half minute song uh, but I'm, I'm excited that there is a new um bong related uh stoner movie series uh yes. with the recent end of the evil bong series uh True. from Fallen features with uh evil bong 888 infinity high uh having recently been released uh-huh. uh, at the end of uh may
1: you got to fill that market need is what i'm saying right
0: so well, i mean not? you know you want you want to do um big rips and watch people uh get cut up and probably um Young women taking their shirts off.
1: Yes, I watched the unrated trailer, and there were women taking their shirts off in it. Liam, you will not be ripping bongs, right? You're not a bong ripper, because you're notoriously a straight-ass gentleman. Do you uh, Do you uh, have any interest in checking out From Dusk Till Bong?
2: I mean, I don't think you need to be high to watch one of these high comedies. No, but it helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say there, Doug. You took my punchline. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I, I Chances are, mm-hmm. I, and I hear what Nick is saying, but in my world, if the word bong is in the title, or weed, or something else that results from weed culture, uh, I'm not going to like it, honestly. Although I will say, it's funny you kept saying bong ripper, because Chicago band Bong Ripper were actually friends of mine, and I thought they were pretty good. That was actually a pretty good band. Uh, but otherwise... I am not stoked on on weed comedies for the most part.
1: I exception uh, being
2: Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle because that is a uh, victory for social justice. Yes. How
1: about how high? <laughs> you enjoy the How High movie? No. Uh, it's,
2: okay. it's okay. It's okay. What would yeah, you say? The... Oh, you know what? I will say yes if if we're if we're c- counting Friday. Friday is great. Uh what is the I also don't mind. Uh, Pineapple Express is okay.
0: Sure, it's but not I feel all great, of those, I feel all of those movies definitely make your point in that they are good stoner comedies, but do not rely on terrible weed puns.
2: Yeah, that's the thing about Harold and Kumar. The entire motivation is weed, and yet there's only like a few jokes that I'm like, uh, "Stupid." Most of the movie relies on other sources for humor than just they get high. You know.
1: Liam, in a in a previous life, I was the host of the No Budget Nightmares podcast, which covered a lot of films like From Dusk Till Bong. So the production values are very familiar to me. I do have to say, it looks from the trailer that there's a lot going on in this. It might be sure. a little too chaotic to enjoy, but I and also the fact that the director is so prolific is a bit of a red flag for me. You know, <laughs> it just feels like there's just how much care and attention could be given to a movie when you're making seven of them in a year. And it looks like the Hackside Jim Duggan stuff may have been just a cameo that they decided to put into the film. But uh, I appreciate the hustle. I may indeed, legitimately, outside the context of the show, check out this film. If I do, I will report back, maybe even report back just directly to you, Liam, and say, hey, Liam, we should check out From Dust Till Bong. But either way, we'll have to watch it eventually, Liam, because we made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. With that said, we need to take a little break because we need to come back and talk about the life and work of actor Eric Roberts in 2022's Top Gunner. Very timely. Let's take a break. We'll be right back after this. Get your ass back here, Oliver. We have 24 hours to get that package in containment. Let's move out.
0: Reach for impact. (laughs)
2: It's a Valkyrie ATC. We have a package that needs to be delivered to Kirtland Air Base in the United States
0: within the next 12 hours. I'd like to volunteer our squad for air defense. We have confirmed visual, four Russian MI-20 attack helicopters heading this way. Got a visual on four bogeys.
1: Drop hit, two bogies down. We're gonna protect the CRISPR at all costs.
2: Home base is compromised. Five staggered on the main trail. Contact. Cowboy, what are you
0: doing? You're gonna get us all in trouble. Already visual confirmation of another enemy
1: aircraft. Recent graduates of a secluded US Air Force base must protect a gene-editing bioweapon from the Russian military who are desperate to seize the deadly viral agent at any cost. It's 2020's Top Gunner, originally developed as a mockbuster, basically a uh, low-budget imitation of Top Gun Maverick, which was meant to be released in two- 2019, then rescheduled to June 2020, which is about when this was meant to come out, then re- being rescheduled again to December 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and then again to 2021, before eventually being released to a wide acclaim here in 2022. Uh, Top Gun uh, Maverick it took so long to come out that Top Gunner missed its window, and not only did it miss its window... Uh, the Asylum, which releases a lot of these mockbusters, have actually already released a sequel to Top Gunner. Uh, I think it's called Top Gunner Danger Zone to coincide with the new release date of Top Gun Maverick. Pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. Directed by Daniel Lusco, a prolific uh, director who also helmed 2021's Ape vs. Monster with Eric Roberts, which we'll be featuring on an upcoming episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Also directs faith-based schlock like 2014's Persecuted with James Remar and Dean Stockwell and 2020's Acquitted by Faith with Casper Van Dien. Uh, Written by Jeff Mead, a former actor and stuntman who now writes and directs Garbage. He wrote the Atlantic uh, Rim sequel... Uh, Atlantic Rim, this is, again, the mockbuster of Pacific Rim, Atlantic Rim Resurrection, and recently directed and wrote 2020's Asteroid Again, also featuring Eric Roberts, and 2022's Four Horsemen Apocalypse, featuring Dominique Swain. Speaking of Top Gun Maverick, uh, Eric Roberts recently tweeted on May 28th, loved every minute at Top Gun Movie, so he's a big fan of Top Gun Maverick. I wonder if he has the same things to say about Top Gunner, but I don't care about what Eric Roberts has to say. I want to know what you have to say, starting with our guest today, Nick, What did you think of Top Gunner?
0: I was very confused in that they used all of their flight time during practice. Uh Uh-huh. And then when there are actual aircraft in the sky, they find ways to ground everything and turn it into essentially a very odd film that all takes place on a military base i the special effects when the planes were flying were surprisingly not horrible Mm -hmm. i guess that's the, the the kindest thing i can say about it um i was i appreciated the fact that like eric roberts was actually in scenes with other people like, very true as opposed to, like many of the films uh, you cover on this show where it seems like he is uh possibly skyping in or um green screened like you know he showed up uh somewhere and somebody shot him with their phone it was uh it definitely exists mm-hmm. and was a thing that I watched and took up an hour and a half of my time i did not i did not hate it as a matter of fact i think like the best thing i can say was just like i I was very bored. And <laughs> also surprised that everybody seemed very up to date on a CRISPR gene editing technology. I thought that was very <laughs> impressive. Where it's like, of course I
1: know. Someone, someone read an article, put it in the movie, and it's just like, okay. The audience might not know what this is about. So Eric Roberts has to be aware of it. So he needs to explain what it is to everybody. I mean, I agree with a lot of the points that you made there, especially the fact that despite that this is a movie called Top Gunner, there's a a good 40, 50 minute chunk of it where there's no flying whatsoever. That people are just (laughs) setting booby traps in the woods (laughs) and there's gunplay and whatnot. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Let's hear it from Liam. Liam, your thoughts on Top Gunner? I'm just glad we finally set a movie in the
2: snowy mountains of the island off of Costa Rica. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know you're filming in where are they Canada Colorado I don't fucking know why have people say the words Costa Rica and island at all just don't say the words but no they they need you to know like well this is all happening cuz we're on an island off of Costa Rica now get up in those snowy mountainous passes <laughs> like, I believe what this are we filmed, Liam, about? By,
1: I, this is filmed in New Mexico
2: Yeah so again just not an I I mean I'm not aware that there is an island off of Costa Rica that has a mountain on it, but apparently that's where they are. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that in of itself sort of sets the mood for what you're getting here, which is I, – I mean, I will say this <sighs> – I've seen a a number of Asylum films, which not a lot, because I think, unlike Nick, I don't have any appreciation for them. But a number of them I've seen have people in them who are like, this is an Asylum film, so I can do whatever I want, and I refuse to take this seriously. Right. And this movie... Everyone is taking it very seriously to the extent that some of the people I'm like, wow, you're like really trying to create a character right yeah. now, <laughs> and I, you know, part I kind of respect that. I kind of respect that this is one of the their productions where everyone is like, we're doing some real shit here, and we don't have time to fuck around. The only person who seems a little ridiculous was the uh, the Russian agent who eventually shows up.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: but- that accent! Oh.
2: But that was kind of fun. It, it, yeah. it, it was
1: okay. It didn't get me energy at all. He had yeah. a level of energy that no one else had. So I was actually really pleased that he showed up. I was like, wow, they brought in another actor. Pretty amazing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I gotta say though, like the when they finally get in the sci fi plane and they're doing the sci fi plane stuff, the 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 movie was bad, but. It didn't get to the point where I was like, "Why am I fucking watching this?" Until towards the end, I really was not sold on the climax of this movie, and and, and it really took it to a point where I was like, "Oh god, I really wish we didn't have an Eric Roberts podcast."
1: I like that. Like, they're very worried about this, uh, this eight, this um, CRISPR DNA, you know, pandemic causing aerosol based disease that's like the uh, macguffin of the whole thing and like they're very careful it's like watch out for the box like you don't want to shake it and then it's like in several crashes like mm-hmm. major fucking thing and at the end someone just looks at it and it's like ah, it looks like it's all intact so i guess that's fine it's not too much of a concern It's literally
2: in a tackle box that they couldn't yes. find a better piece of set design than a tackle box
0: you you know it's bad when yeah you can't afford like the the basic thing that like most touring bands keep their mics in. right yes 100
1: percent you would think that part like the the there would be a lot of those cases for the equipment used to make the movie <laughs> <laughs> now the idea of mockbusters it, it there's a long history in hollywood right of a successful movie causing a lot of uh imitators we talked a lot about it liam on our podcast devoted to Eurocrime, right that i mean you know right that, that in italy in particular that the history of making, oh, James Bond is popular, so we'll make Euro spy movies. Oh, uh, spaghetti westerns are popular. Oh, you know, that, but they become kind of their self-contained genres. But there's also a history of making movies that are direct imitations, particularly like Jaws, right? Which has a, a number of movies which are basically beat for beat remakes of that very concept. And so, and there's a lot of love that people have for a lot of those. The Asylum making it sort of their business model, I think people have sort of mixed feelings in, it, in, in regards to it, simply because so few of the films rise above just being okay when they could be a lot of fun, right? If they just really leaned into it. I'm glad that you mentioned, Liam, this is a very serious movie. Nobody seems to be having any fun here, which doesn't really help I would not call this a bad movie, but it is a very boring one. Despite the fact that things are constantly happening, they're just not very interesting. Those things that are happening, uh, but I just—I uh, think we already got our feelings generally on Mockbusters. I just want to give give you a chance to follow up on that, Liam. Are there any Mockbusters that you particularly have enjoyed? Going back into history, not just the Asylum
2: ones. No, I know, I know. Um, I—it's hard for me to uh, to. Say, I mean, when it when it comes to Euro crime, I guess we've sort of made the case that how many of those uh, Polizia Techi movies are really just like people who saw, uh, uh, you know, the dirty, dirty Harry, Harry or yeah, Death yeah, yeah, Wish, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 and and I enjoy a lot of those, so I guess that's the case. Um, and I I also have a soft spot in my heart for Cruel Jaws. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, but beyond that I mean I guess the for me if if we're counting anything that's clearly a ripoff for me still the greatest mockbuster of all times is, is alligator because it's it's definitely influenced and, and probably ripping off jaws to some extent sure but it's its own thing and I fucking love it and they just covered it on the Carnage report uh yes. but it's it's definitely one of my it is absolutely my favorite um animals gone wild movie of all time is Alligator.
1: You could probably make a case that almost all of the slasher movies in the wake of Halloween are in some way, you know, an, a, an imitation of it and certainly a lot of its tropes. And then others became imitators of the imitators. Uh, but I mean, I, I I think that whatever your interpretation of this is very valid. I just recently saw Black Shampoo for the first time. Um, the Graydon Clark i mean you know black imitation of the film shampoo very entertaining enjoyed it very much uh nick over to you any mockbusters stick out that you particularly enjoy
0: um i mean obviously uh on the most recent episode of the carnage report we 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 cover alligator and we're uh, both julie and i are big fans of that movie and enjoy it very much but um in an effort to not like just piggyback on what Ian said uh, I, I Liam said uh, I, I would say that my favorite is actually the uh, film cruel jaws mm-hmm. um, also known as jaws 5 <laughs> uh, that is that is such a mockbuster that up to and including uh, scenes that are full-on lifted wholesale from other shark movies <clears throat>
1: I also am going to throw out a, a recommendation to the Italian movie Contamination, which is a robot. Oh, it's so good, yeah, so alien. Good. <laughs> which a lot of bodily explosions. Basically, like you know how the chest bursters scene people were like really reacted strongly. How about if we put like a dozen of those into our movie? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, one thing that we established before we started recording is that neither of us, uh, of the three of us, have seen Top Gun: Maverick, even though it's a very popular film right now but one of the things about mockbusters is that you can't help but compare them to the real thing is there any real connection outside of the fact that these are are jet pilots between top gun and top gunner uh, sticking with you nick any direct thing comparisons we can make between the two i mean it's sort of an unfair comparison in terms of budget and all of that sort of thing but what where's the dna between the two
0: uh, I'm assuming that Eric Roberts as Colonel Herring is supposed to be like very much a um, sort of Michael Ironside character yeah. um, for, for this uh, mildly abusive yet uh, like, like inspirational uh, speeches he gives. Um, and you know, it's obviously it, like, it's not really a flight school per se. It's no. just like space. Um <laughs> Yeah. It's, It probably has more to do with, like, uh, Iron Eagle than...
1: You know, know, something that stuck out to me about this movie that was a little unusual is there's multiple pieces of dialogue about the fact that it's better to be in the Air Force than other forms of combat because you don't have to look your enemy in the eyes when you kill them. And then, like, even a character like comments, like, oh, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. But then Eric Roberts says it at the end as well. It's just like it's better not to know the people that you're murdering. Doesn't seem that great, Liam. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, <laughs> in essence, like then then the whole movie becomes like a, a justification for drone warfare or something. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't. I the, there's a lot of um. Lines in this movie that I think are meant to be a little more dramatic and impactful than they actually are, you know. Uh, and a lot of conversation, like there's there's a weird conversation with the uh, between two of them uh, where the one of the black ops people is was in the Marines or maybe is still in the Marines, and there's all this like knowing military talk, all of which feels very fake. Like it's yes. I think it's supposed to add authenticity, and it doesn't at all. And it just is like super <laughs> awkward. I mean, the whole thing feels like. Top Gun functions as a kind of propaganda, right? And I think Absolutely. this this movie is meant to function as a kind of propaganda. But the one thing I like about this is there is a certain level of like conservative propaganda movie that doesn't try to whitewash what we're doing. It just assumes that it's okay. So this whole movie resolves around the fact that uh, because we're worried about this technology, we've committed. An actual war crime, like like we can't we can't contact the United States for help because what we've done is very illegal and immoral, and we can't justify it. So we just have to do it ourselves because no one can know we did this thing. And I thought if this was a like a Hollywood movie, they would never admit that we do things like this. There'd be something else going on to justify it. And this would be very much like, no, we did it. It's fine. This is what we got to <laughs> do. It's totally cool. You know, it's 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 like you if you watch some of those, I've definitely watched. Some like straight to video action movies from the 80s and 90s where like US forces are just murdering foreign dignitaries and no one is like apologizing for it. They're just like, yeah, that's what we do. We kill people off. All right, let's keep going here. And it's like, it's the sort of propaganda where you're like, I don't know that this is functioning how you think it is, but I'll watch it. That's fine.
1: I do have to say that at times I had difficulty distinguishing, distinguishing between the white male leads in this movie because oh, yeah. I wasn't sure who yes. what their characters were supposed to be. I also, and Liam, I would need to get your take on this, there's one of the characters that's sort of shell-shocked. He's, he's like, he doesn't want to fly anymore. I mean, he's basically like the character at the beginning of, of the actual Top Gun to a certain extent. And I didn't really understand what his deal was. I thought he was going to be like a Russian spy at one point. <laughs> Agreed. Right? Didn't it seem like they were setting him up as being like, oh, this guy's suspicious because he's calling home to his family, but is he calling? To-? And then he's like disappearing. Are we supposed to think that he might be like a turncoat? But then at the end, he was just a guy who was really frightened.
2: Doug, this film has a lot of what I like to call Chekhov subtext. The fact that this guy was not a spy. Or in a gay relationship with one of his co-stars. Yes, <laughs> there are so many suggestions. And then we get a whole scene of him in what is clearly just a garage they rented. And we're just supposed to, like, not notice that there's no planes in this garage and that he's getting, like... like- screws out of a very normal like he's supposedly fixing this high piece of technology this like next level space tech and he's just like grabbing some little screws and stuff and it's <laughs> everything about how this character shows up even when he's captured by the Russians it's like so no one else is at this like this is the other thing I get Liam, that this is Liam, he hot wires a, a futuristic jet all of it's <laughs> insane Doug. it's There is a certain point where asylum films go, it doesn't matter that production design-wise, we can't support this plot. This just is the plot. So just do it, and it'll be fine. And sometimes that's hilarious. In this movie, it didn't quite get to be hilarious. It was just awkward, you know?
1: Nick, you mentioned the special effects in this movie, and I'm going to agree with you. I actually thought that, look, it's inconsistent. And certainly when the planes are landing and taking off, it gets a little funky. But overall, considering that they obviously did not have access to any planes whatsoever to make this movie, which is a nightmarish scenario, right? It's like we're making a movie about jets. We don't even have like the exterior to work with. I thought that the special effects were pretty good. You want to expound on that a little bit about, uh, I mean, we even have a jet that doesn't actually exist, like the futuristic one. Talk a little bit more about the special effects in this movie.
0: Uh, Like, I mean, like the the planes flying in the sky, they look like planes flying in the sky. They look at least as good as, you know, like a high-end, like, PlayStation or Xbox game, right? Yes, very much so. Like, which I feel, like, if you can do at least that level you're succeeding because uh so many films that get released in actual theaters like don't have the computer generated imagery that you can you know use and move around yourself in your own home uh but the funny thing about it is i thinking about that futuristic space plane is that um very obviously they are working on, you can see the them come up against the limitations of this budget in that there are no windows on it. <laughs> like it is all blackout. So yeah. <laughs> can't be like, like it obviously you see like on the outside, it's like, Oh, it's got big windows, but inside it's like, Oh, it's all video screens and things like that. It's like, yeah, because if you have big, like full, like <laughs> 180 degree wraparound windows, Like you're gonna have to animate that and that's gonna start pushing like that's gonna make you go over budget like let's let's not get crazy here
1: i think the special effects are comparable to the 2005 film stealth about a futuristic fighter (laughs) pilot plane i think it's in the same window so in that case you know i you know what i was impressed i have to say liam you haven't talked about the special effects at all were you less or more impressed than we are with them
2: um, A little less, I think. Uh, <laughs> they were fine, but there were definitely some limitations. Again, I think the film fails more when it comes to production design, when they're very much like, look, we've got a room with boxes in it. It's definitely an Air Force base. And I'm just like, I just don't think it works, y'all. Like, I They just don't think- even
1: have enough people to... like the, the whole plot is based on the fact that these people are being punished while, what, everyone's on vacation or something? So... There's only, like, five people in the entire fucking military base.
2: Yeah, like, who's cooking the food? Who's working on the HVAC? Like, any facility needs, like, just random fucking people, and they don't have any in the movie.
0: Like, just think of any, like, just general, like, like the public library that's, like, walking distance to my house. Like, definitely, like, it requires, like, more people to run it than are. On this entire military base, who puts the gas in the plane?
2: You know what I mean. Like <laughs> it, literally, like any base with this much stuff going on, there'd have to be even again if people are away or doing whatever. There's a skeleton crew, and in this movie, they're like, "Look, between the main characters and the and the attacking Russians, we just don't have enough people to do anything else, so they're just not there."
1: I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that on the poster. Uh, Which if you go to the Internet Movie Database profile for this film, you can see it's still its default one for Top Gunner that there is a blatant spelling mistake (laughs) (laughs) in its tagline, which is Our Guardians in the Skies, which is, you know, perfectly reasonable tagline, except they have spelled Guardians G-A-U-R-D-I-A-N-S. When I saw this poster for the first time, all I could see was that spelling mistake. I don't think it was just me. It is ridiculous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that they released this poster and didn't afterwards try to remove it from all traces of this film with this spelling mistake. It does seem to point to a lack of quality control that may exist in the film as a whole, which leads me to a letterboxed review that I found for this film, which is very interesting. It comes from someone who actually worked on set. So I'm just going to read it verbatim. I did a lot of work on set for this one. It was a bit of strange watching something I had such a physical connection to in a theater. I guess he saw it in the theater. <laughs> Maybe there was a, a premiere or something. Daniel Lusco is clearly very proud he was able to shoot a feature for under $100,000 in a week in the middle of an unexpected snowstorm. That's certainly possible when half your crew are unpaid interns. One day, one of the actors couldn't come to set, Rap, the black female sniper, So the director and most of the cast sat down and started rewriting a significant portion of the script to make the day shooting work without her character, which is why she dies so unceremoniously. I say most of the cast because Eric Roberts was pretty much doing his own thing. While everyone was sitting in a circle hashing it out, he was at craft services or asking the PAs if they wanted a selfie while trapping them in conversation about himself. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) I've got a ton of stories from set. This experience furthered my distaste for Asylum, but I was able to make a few nice connections, and Lusco was content with making a stupid movie that makes no sense. I feel slightly bad leaving a one-star review, since he asked that that we all leave positive reviews, knowing that this would be pulled apart. But if he wanted a good review, then he should have directed a good movie. Liam, any thoughts on this uh, person reminiscing about their experience with Top Gunner?
2: It's amusing to me, but there's also a small part of me that's like, I don't know. Maybe this is just a bad bias I have... Uh, from, like, working on things that were not quite, like, above board. Like, the idea that, like, everyone on – like, if this guy was disgruntled and and then left this thing, that'd be one thing. But for him to be on set, like, yeah, I'm on the team, and then later to get on the internet and go, these motherfuckers, look at these dumb idiots. (laughs) I'm like, bro, you were there too. Like, you can't be like, this whole thing was a disaster. I just happened to be there. You're part of the disaster. So maybe don't go online and, like, take a shit on everybody. It just seems weird to me.
1: I guess. I mean, it depends if they felt mistreated on set, but you're just doing your job, right? I mean, afterwards, I mean, look, I, I'm with you. Talk shit at the time, not after the fact when no one could do anything about it. But, I mean, there could be, there seemed to be a suggestion of legitimately gr- legitimate grievances, particularly with the idea of the crew being unpaid interns. Um, over to you, Nick. Any thoughts on what this person had to say about their experience with Top Gunner? Uh,
0: like, I mean, I would like to hear more of the stories from set. Yeah. Like, it seems like yeah. very, like, the... Uh, the interesting thing is that like he makes it seem like he's got a bunch of like really horrible stories, but like the stories he's actually telling here, it's like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, they, they had an actor not be able to make it to set. And so they like worked and like made it, you know? Yeah. That's and, like or, a yeah, low like, budget
1: that, story. Right. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, like that's, that's pretty positive. And it's like, and it's like, you know, Eric Roberts was, you know, Eric Roberts, but it's like, it seems like it's, it's, It's this weird tonal shift where it's like, fuck this movie. Like, this is like, but like, we did some good stuff. Like, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. It's like, I want to hear like all the really bad stories about like why this movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like actually hearing that story, uh, like about like having to rewrite a significant portion of the script for the day, like makes me like reconsider some of the things that I've said about the film. I was like, oh, they were just like trying to make it work as best they could. Honestly, even the beginning was saying that that, that the budget was that low, that they shot it in a week
1: during a snowstorm, that gave me a kind of a different level of appreciation for it as well. So what I'm saying, anonymous person, is that you've done the opposite of what you were trying to do. (laughs) Made me enjoy the movie even more. Let us talk about Eric Roberts as Colonel Herring in the uh, in the film. I uh, I speculated in our notes here that that his name might be a joke on Colonel Troutman from the Rambo series because it's a different fish, you see. Uh probably not. There isn't really any connection to that character in any way. Uh, in several of the the reviews I read for Top Gunner, they they refer to Eric Roberts' slurred way of speaking. We hear that in a lot of movies these days. Uh, many kind of jokes about him drinking and things like that. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that's just how he talks, because we've seen it literally in dozens of movies. He's in a lot more of this movie than I expected. He's there all the way through. Voice over at the beginning, voice over at the end He pops up all the way through it They really made the most of their Eric Roberts uh, Availability here Starting with our guest today, Nick What did you think of Eric Roberts as Colonel Herring?
0: Uh, I feel like he... Um not only like showed up uh physically but like showed up to be (laughs) in the role like it's like a lot of eric roberts like cameos that i have seen in films over like in you know the recent decade or so like he's in the film and it's like well he he's getting a paycheck films in which he actually like shows up like and gives up quote unquote performance uh, <laughs> i think are so few and far between they worth noting like uh like the estate that came out last year i actually like enjoyed that film so much it made like my one of my it was one of my favorite films of last year and like his performance in that is like 100% like oh this is eric roberts like being in a movie as opposed to like like, uh, let me rephrase. It is Eric Roberts participating in a movie as opposed to Eric Roberts' movie. <laughs> I mean, and we I recently, like-
1: on this show, we we covered his performance on The Righteous Gemstones, which was terrific. He's, you could tell, right? I mean, he's engaged with the material. He's given a little time yeah. to work on it. It makes all the difference in the world, though this is an example of what we usually see in this particular case where, you know, he's there for a week, does his Eric Roberts thing and takes off, doesn't seem too engaged. But but you're right. I think it he... he he seemed, maybe it's because of the serious tone of the movie, but he seems to be taking it seriously to an extent.
0: Yeah, he's not phoning it in at the very... Like He's doing the best he can with the material and at least trying to make it into some semblance of uh, tonally appropriate delivery. Yeah. <laughs> He's not just going wildly over the top <laughs> like the Russian guy in yeah. this movie. He's, yeah, he's he, not doing scenery in this. Um like he's he's definitely like, you know, he's leaning into the material, but I mean he's not just like hamming it up by any yeah. stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah, or or yeah, he yeah, yeah it it's It's a bit of a thankless role because it is humorless, right? And he's not supposed to be having a good time, but there is supposed to be a little bit of a glint behind it where even when he's chewing them out for, you know, being reckless, that it's just like, oh, but I still respect you kids because I want to see you. You know, there's something to that there, very much so like the Michael Ironside role in Top Gun, or at least as much as I've seen of it since I've only ever watched half of that movie. Liam, your thoughts on Eric Roberts as Colonel Herring? You know,
2: it's it's not like a... uh, defining performance, but <laughs> I, I agree. He's very present. Like it's it, He's taking it seriously. I mean, honestly, I mean, maybe that's the problem with this movie, is that the only person who's like, I'm in a fucking asylum film, I'm having fun, is this you know, Russian guy, and everyone else is very much like taking it seriously. But I don't know, I think I prefer that to some extent. Maybe I'm just tired of some of these more ironic films uh sure and 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 I like that people want this movie to be a real movie uh, but I especially appreciate it with Eric Roberts and I, and I agree he he doesn't have a funny role, but he is aware that some of what he's doing, um, requires like a, a bit of a winkingness, and I and I think that that's there. Um, and you know, it, it is a movie that he's actually in. It's it's I you know they they easily could have shot all this in a day, possibly. But um, but I do think that like unlike some of the other movies we've seen, where he's clearly in a set some months later or some months earlier, where he's never met anyone else, like sure, he's actually in this movie, and I appreciate that about it. For, you know, compared to some of the other things we've watched.
1: Yeah. Look, it, it's strange to say on an Eric Roberts-themed podcast that the, the one of the big benefits of Eric Roberts in this movie is that he's in the movie and that he's recognizably interacting with people <laughs> who are also in the movie. But the fact is that when, when you work as much as Eric Roberts does, that is sort of, I wouldn't say a rarity, but it's, it's at least as uncommon as it is common to uh, encounter that. In it's possible
2: to film him on the phone in another city and then put that <laughs> into your movie. That happens yeah. a lot.
1: Absolutely. And they also didn't, even though uh, he's also in the same director's film, Ape vs. Monster, they didn't just use, I don't think they just filmed him on This Week and then put those pieces into that movie as well. (laughs) That's another thing that we see sometimes with Eric Roberts movies. I think it's a perfectly competent performance. I think he's by far the best actor here, Um, even though... It is again a ludicrous idea to just have this one guy in this entire huge base, hmm. and also they only have three planes. <laughs> that's another thing. So there's a part in this movie where uh, Doug, all three—Doug—they
2: hmm? definitely have five planes. Oh right, that's right. But one of them uh, doesn't have any weapons on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's a part in this movie where the three of the pilots have to abandon their jets, and they just crash into the earth. <laughs> And so then they have to. It's like, well, we can't fight the Russians in their planes. We don't have any planes anymore. But uh, but yes, except for one with no weapons and one futuristic sci-fi plane, which plays into the climax of the movie. Uh, just going to ask any final thoughts from you, Nick, on Top Gunner.
0: Um, I I'd be lying if I said I wasn't morbidly curious about the sequel. Um, but I would also. Be lying if I said I ever intended to watch it.
1: What if I was to tell you that Top Gun: Danger Zone does not have any of the actors returning, including Eric Roberts, and seems to have no connection whatsoever
0: with this film? Ah, the in-name-only <laughs> sequel. Ooh. Ooh. it's a thematic <laughs> sequel. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it worked. It worked for Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night too. So uh...
1: Uh, more can yeah. Uh <laughs>
0: Liam, I'll give you the final word. Uh, any other
1: thoughts on Top Gunner?
2: It's significantly better than other uh, Asylum movies I've seen. And yet because it is not stupid to the degree that it could be, it will not get the attention of many other Asylum movies I've seen <laughs> because it's, it is trying to be real, which is maybe a mistake for this, for this particular company.
1: If you want to check out Top Gunner, you can do so right now on the Tubi streaming service, uh, free with ads. Hey, check it out if any of this sounds interesting to you, if it possibly could possibly sound interesting to you. Nick, I want to thank you so much for taking time to spend with us to talk about 2022's Top Gunner. people want to check out the Carnage Report or some of your other work, what's the best way for them to do so?
0: Well thank you for having me. Uh, uh, you can find me online at uh, on Twitter at NuthousePunks. You can find the Carnage Report uh, on CinePunks uh, but you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Report Carnage uh, and uh, we recently got stickers so do listen to the most recent episode. We'll tell you how to get a hold of us and get one of those for your very, very own. And you can also find a lot more of my writing, uh, both at starburst magazine and at the pitch in Kansas city where I am the music editor.
1: Well, of course, link all of those, uh, social media links in the show notes, Liam O'Donnell. I don't know if it'll be too late at this point. Hopefully the timing will be good. I know that, um, of course, there's always great stuff happening at cinepunks.com, but also rough cut is releasing some Mandy shirts. Can you tell us about that?
2: Uh, yeah, so we're continuing our contractual obligations to Mandy, uh, <laughs> but, with some re- but, but with some really, really great designs that I'm really excited about. And um, I just really appreciate <clears throat> my uh, collaborator on that, Justin uh, Hauntlove. He's done some great work. And then we also... Obviously, on this drop, well, not obviously, but people should know, we're working with Johnny Ryan. Uh, People might know his work uh, as well as his work on Cartoon Network, his design work. Uh, He did uh, a shirt. Specifically for for the for the black skulls, uh, he designed a shirt and it's it's awesome. It really looks cool, and I'm really excited that we got the chance to collaborate with him. Uh, yeah, so check it out, uh, Roughcutfanclub.com. Uh, of course, if they want to hear more of this show, Doug, as well as some of the other shows on the network, including the Carnage Report, they can head to Cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Or if they want to dive into our uh, archive, they can head to Cinemusportsport.com.
1: If you want to check out more episodes of Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man Redux, you can always find that entire archive over at cinemasmogersport.com as well as our uh, array of other themed podcasts including ones devoted to such diverse topics as the career of Jackie Chan, Carol Kane, Dick Miller, Paul Bartel, Alejandro Jodorowsky, George Kennedy, and so much more. There's actually a lot of stuff over there at cinemasmogersport.com or on Twitter at cinemasmog. That's S-M-O-R-G. If you want to leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice, we appreciate that very much. You can also follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L. E-Y. But for now, we need to close up the Eric Roberts bag for another week. We're going to be back once again very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everyone.